research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Uh, seated not directly at my side, but nearby is Eric Eggers, a co-host. Eric, how are you? I'm excellent, Peter. How are you? I am doing very well. Um, and we've got seated between us uh, here, Seamus Bruner, the director of research at GAI. Today, we are going to unpack the ongoing drama of the FBI, the media, and the investigations involving GAI and our research going all the way back to Clinton Cash. And we wanted to bring on board Eric, uh, one of our colleagues, Seamus Bruner. He's the director of research here, uh, who's been in the middle of this mix. Uh, Not only was he involved in the research that went into Clinton Cash and went into the Biden revelations, he's also written a couple of books himself, one on FBI corruption, which we want to talk about today called Compromise, another terrific book called Fallout. Mm -hmm. Um, So Eric, we want to continue to unpack this. Last week, we looked at kind of the media, the efforts of the New York Times to kind of out GAI and the fact that we talked to the FBI. Today, we want to take it a step further and look at what is going on at the FBI uh, and the problems that have emerged there. Yeah, and last week's very special podcast episode, not only did we talk about Peter Schweitzer and his relationship with the FBI, he may have uttered one or two words that are not typically family friendly, which I think is a first for this podcast. Uh, and so we, we talked primarily about the, the bias in the media and how the media has attempted to portray what's been happening for really the last eight years politically as it relates to the, the role the FBI has played and I think putting its thumb on the scale politically. But we wanted to bring in uh, one of the, the people who I think is the crown jewel of, of our research staff here at GAI, Seamus Bruner. The only thing growing faster, Peter, than Seamus's publishing credits and his bank account is his hair. Yes. And so, <laughs> yes. you know, this is, a, this is a man that's got another book coming out like later this year. He's making a lot of cool stuff happen. But he's been on the FBI corruption train yes. for some time. And so, he, you know, who better to talk about the role that the FBI has played and how they might be, some would say compromised, than the man who wrote the book himself. That's right. And uh, Seamus, of course, has to live off the grid, given the work that he's done. But, but in all serious, Seamus, and I wanna, you can tell. <laughs> I want to I want to give you a couple of numbers and I want you to give us your thoughts, big picture on having lived through it, our discussions with the FBI, the unfolding drama there. But let me just give you some recent numbers from a poll that looked at do you have a lot of confidence or some confidence in the FBI? Look how divided this is on partisan lines. Democrats, 70% say that they always or almost always have confidence in the FBI. Independents, it's only 39%. Among Republicans, it's only 32%. A lot of distrust of the FBI, a lot of it tends to be among people who are not Democrats. What's going on? Yeah, well, I think that just shows how politicized the FBI has become. I mean, I think it should be uh, maybe 50-50 or ideally most people should trust the FBI. But because they do not, uh, that would show you which way it's leaning, I would say. So you think it's a reflection of the ideological temperature within the FBI. The FBI has started to skew left, and that's why you're seeing the left likes them and other other people don't. 
Yeah, and I'd be I'd be curious to see what those numbers were right around October 2016 when James Comey came out and uh, reopened the Hillary Clinton email investigation. I bet they'd be upside down. But uh, after after we find out about the thumb on the scales with the Biden investigation, when we find out that they actually were helping Hillary all along. Um, yeah, those numbers seem about right. So that's actually one of the things that we talked about last week. And we, you know, we, we talked about the two New York Times articles in which Peter Schweitzer and GA were mentioned. Uh, we talked about the way the New York Times attempted to portray Peter Schweitzer's interaction with the FBI as if the conservatives were aggressively trying to launder or sell propaganda about Hunter Biden to these very innocent and, uh, you know, like well-intentioned FBI agency officials, when in fact the opposite is true. The FBI approached us. They approached Peter based on the research that we did with Clinton Cash, and they approached us based on the stuff that we had as it relates to Hunter Biden's laptop. But one of the, I think it's just really incredible to think about the fact that because of the research we did in Clinton Cash, the Clintons fabricate the idea that Trump is a Russian asset. So that's what launches the Steele dossier. But then the idea that Trump would be somehow compromised by Russia, that narrative was also used by the FBI, not just in the 2016 election, but they also used that as the rationale to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story itself, right? Oh, we can't talk about what's on the laptop. We can't talk about the fact the laptop exists. It might be Russian disinformation. So this narrative that the Clintons fabricated, in essence, almost swung two presidential elections. I think you could say it did swing the 2020 presidential election. I mean, but but that's who the FBI is these days, right? Right. And I've, I've seen uh, Peter Strzok going off on Twitter talking about <laughs> Peter, Schwe- uh, Peter Schweitzer and how uh, because his Clinton cash revelations had kicked off some FBI investigations, therefore those investigations were uh, politicized. But they knew at the time that Hillary Clinton was paying for the dossier um, I mean, how could you – you couldn't have a more political origin right. than the Russian investigation. And Peter Schweitzer was a – is a bipartisan investigator. You know, he'd done throw them all out. He was doing a book, Bush Bucks at the time. You know, there was – It's nothing. an e-book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here, to, to your point, I think this but, is – But Peter had gone after both sides. Correct. So well, there was no evidence that Peter was politicized in any way. Well, and here's, and here's the point, too, I would make, Seamus. And again, you're somebody who – you started working for us as an intern in college. We hired you after you graduated. You, you know the research protocols. Here's the other thing. You could say – you could argue, well, you know, Schweitzer's a conservative. We can't just we can't trust the research, just like the, the Steele dossier was funded by the Clinton campaign. The problem is that our research, you can replicate yourself, right? I right. mean, you know this. It's based on corporate records, financial records, tax records in, in, in Canada. The point is you can actually say, OK, is what these guys selling actually accurate? Is it based on evidence? The problem with the Steele dossier is it's all unsubstantiated. It's all anonymous sources. We never use anonymous sources here. But I want to get back to something you said earlier about how they have their thumb on the scale. How did we get to the point where the FBI has become more left of center in your mind? The traditional view of the FBI is it was kind of, you know, straight down by the book or maybe in the Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover days, it was it, it, it tilted right. But it's clearly not that anymore. And it's not balanced anymore. Do you have any theories or ideas on how that has happened to the FBI? Well, I think you know, most institutions have become politicized much more so than they historically were. Um, you know, looking in the in the compromised investigation, um, I went back pretty far and mm-hmm. the, the FBI's got a pretty dirty history a long way back. But you're right. It was never as bad as it is today or not as in your face. Wait, what do you mean it's got a dirty history? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I mean, J. Edgar Hoover was no saint. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Although sometimes he dressed in... <laughs> he might have That's dressed a in. me joke. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, 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 I mean, we went back to, you know, uh, Martha Stewart and her investigation, the, uh, the guy who was blamed for the anthrax. I mean, this is early 2000s, and there was still some shady behaviors going on then. Uh, I think in the book there was a tactic the FBI uses called bumper, bumper stalking, where they are stalking their target so closely that they actually ran over the guy's foot. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the taxpayers had to pay a couple million dollars out because they were harassing this guy, Hatfield, for the anthrax scare. Um, but anyway, more recently, it's been totally in your face. I'm, I'm not sure how it's gotten so bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I imagine it has something to do with hiring practices, right? And they're, they're, they're looking for a different view of the FBI. The FBI traditionally used to be guys who, you know, went to law school. And I mean, not to generalize, but a lot of Irish Catholics went into the FBI, for example. They're, they had long histories of law enforcement. Um, and, and it's changed. And I'm not saying that change is bad, but it's, it's clearly tilting to the left. And the other element of this that you touched on in, in your book that I think is important is just the financial incentives for people at the top rung of the FBI. If you're an assistant director, you're a former director by like Louis Free or James Comey, uh, there's all kinds of financial opportunities for you out there uh, if you're willing to kind of play along. Yeah, that's right. We, you and I did a piece on the, the security clearances and how they can cash in at, through the revolving door where they leave the FBI and they go get a gig. Uh, in the case of Robert Mueller, he worked for Booz Allen Hamilton. He worked for Facebook. Uh, and it's, you know, those security clearances are worth a good amount of money. Um, same, same with James Comey. I mean, in his case, a lot of money, $6 million kind of starting bonus for Lockheed Martin. He had never run a corporation general counsel's office anywhere near that size. And Essentially, they gave it to him so that he could get them big deals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there is the revolving door there as well, Eric. So that's, that's an act, example, I think, of maybe cultural rod where incentive structures are skewed and, and not in a way that bends towards justice as, uh, you know, the long arc of the history is supposed to, <laughs> uh, with apologies to MLK. So then I guess the question would be, you know, these New York Times articles about the Hunter Biden investigation and the role the FBI has played and the role that conservative reporting has played allegedly in terms of keeping those investigations going. What the what the New York Times did not report is that the Biden administration has now killed four different investigations into the Clinton Foundation. That's you know it's another way to look at it. But I guess my question would be you've written a book about the FBI. You've written a book about what's wrong with these agencies that are meant to protect American interests. Uh, these articles in the New York Times came out in the context of the Durham report, which just was on you know 300 plus pages in which it basically said, yeah, the FBI never should have launched an investigation into the Trump campaign's connections with Russia. There's never enough information there. And they contrasted the vigor and relentlessness with which the FBI pursued Trump's investigation as opposed to the relatively kit gloves, quote unquote, tippy-toeing around Hillary Clinton because there was concern Hillary Clinton was going to be president. I guess, what, how do you see your report and what was your take on the Durham report given the fact that you've been documented FBI, I guess, what was your biggest revelation? Yeah, like, this doesn't surprise me because, you know, we report on this and this continues to be the case now. Yeah, I take a little more cynical view than most. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> the uh, the Durham report... Just depressed the hell out of us, Seamus. <laughs> like, what are you... I mean, we, we knew more or less everything that was in the Durham report. It's more or less in a book that I published in 2018. <laughs> Greg Jarrett's book covered a lot of that, both of his books that, that have been bestsellers. Uh, 
there, there wasn't accusing, a whole lot of new news. You're accusing John Durham of plagiarism. <laughs> there, there wasn't a whole lot of new news in there. And the thing that frustrates, right. I think, everybody is that there's no accountability. So, yeah. you know, what's yeah. the, what, we've been waiting. Oh, Durham's coming. Durham is coming. And uh, hoping that maybe there'd be some indictments. I mean, Kevin Kleinsmith, we knew a couple of years ago, I guess this is the, the one person who's been uh, referred for criminal prosecution from the FBI, and uh, he was changing FISA warrants and lying to a FISA court. We, how many times has uh, this audience heard about that? So um, the worst things that the FBI did, we've known. Durham essentially had no accountability, and uh, I guess we're all supposed to just move on. Well, and, and here's the challenge, guys. I mean, think about it. <clears throat> you look at how they have tilted the scales at the senior level of the FBI, <clears throat> And the Durham report's been very uh, clear about that, and our reporting's very clear about that. The challenge is, these guys are all lawyers. They're all law enforcement professionals. They know where the legal lines are. And so in the case of, like, Kleinschmidt, he's kind of like a junior guy. Uh, Who knows if somebody directed him or encouraged him to do that? But they don't do those things. And this is one of the frustrating things with the Washington political class is they know exactly where the boundaries are in terms of what's illegal. uh, And they go right up to that boundary. They might even touch that line, but they don't always fully cross that line. And that's part of the frustration. So these guys are manipulators of bureaucracy. They know how to use political power and they know how to do it in such a way that doesn't entail crossing a clearly illegal line and that's where the justice comes in what do you do about somebody who's abused their office you know numerous investigations involving hillary clinton and donald trump and they didn't technically cross a legal line what does justice look like in terms of dealing with them yeah and it's it's worse than that because if charges ever do get brought you know you're you're trying it most of the time in washington Mm dc where 90 percent of the people are going to uh, side with the government, um, the FBI, you know, that's what happened in the, the Donald Sussman case. So um, I, I think, you, you know, they say you can indict a ham sandwich, but <laughs> apparently none of the ham sandwich is working at the FBI. Well, and I guess the question would be what appetite, no pun intended, would they have to uh, indict somebody in the FBI, if you, if you noted, because this is maybe not as atypical as we might like it to believe. I actually think, too, I mean, we're in Tallahassee, Florida. It's, you know, the era of everything now is viewed through the lens of the political campaign for president starting next year. You've got a number of people running against Donald Trump, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, Ron DeSantis from Tallahassee, Florida, um, a number of other candidates. But the more of this stuff that comes out, it seems like it sort of potentially is beneficial to the former president because, I mean, he is the ultimate kind of like the deep state champion, right? I mean, he's the one who now can say, hey, I've been attacked by this unfairly. I campaigned against the swamp and the right. swamp tried to come get me. I mean, you, I mean, it, and I think that unlike maybe some things the former president said, this seems undeniably true, right? I mean, like it's, right. Like it's not that hard to be like, no, the FBI, in fact, has targeted him unfairly. We now know maybe after he's been a presidential candidate, but he's got a legitimate beef with the FBI. Right. And, well, and I, I don't know uh, many people. I mean, I think you'd probably have to be a billionaire to go up against the deep state this many times and uh, not be buried underneath the jail. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think I you don't make- think most people would be able to fight the FBI. So yeah. that's why he does have credibility on that statement. Well, and I, and I think you guys make a good point because, you know, when Trump started talking about the swamp, of course, we've done a lot of research on the swamp. Then he talked about the deep state and he talked about the weaponization of the deep state. And I certainly saw instances of it and evidence of it, 
But now what has unfolded over the last five years, I mean, shows that that he was absolutely correct. And, you know, sometimes you could say that, you know, Trump's rhetoric goes a little, you know, be a bridge too far. In this case, I don't think you can say that. And if you look at the numbers in terms of the decline of the image of the FBI in the United States, it's not because Donald Trump's been talking about what they've done. It's because the American people have seen what they've done. And as an institution, it's down 25 percent in terms of public trust in the FBI from where it was in 2016. I'm surprised it's actually not more. But the point is, people that are paying attention to these issues see the absolute decline. So let's talk about the specific FBI agents and their investigations. Look at a guy like Peter Strzok. You're familiar with the things that, that, that Strzok has done. You've researched it. You've investigated him. What would justice look like in terms of dealing with Peter Strzok? Is there anything you could see that he did that was illegal um, and, you know, other sanctions that could be taken to to deal with Peter Strzok? Because right now he's enjoying his FBI retirement. Right. Right. Um, and I don't think faces any particular legal penalty. And I'll just say maybe assume that some of the people listening to this podcast haven't written a book about the FBI might not have been added and attacked by Peter Strzok on Twitter. So maybe just give people like 60 second background of who he is and then talk about and what he's guilty of. Yeah. Peter Strzok is a really interesting guy in that he was not a household name, but he seemed to be running things sort of underneath Comey, underneath McCabe. Um, you know, he's he's got some joint uh, CIA task force type experience. He's kind of one of these operators that you've never heard of but then you see these text messages that got released and you know he had this lover lisa page who was a fellow fbi uh, attorney and the, i mean the me- the messages and we've again have been hearing about him for five years so much so that some people may even forget but she would say donald trump can't be president can he and peter struck would repay reply no he can't we will stop him and I think that's a legitimate quote <laughs> from an FBI. Just to be clear, that's a quote from an FBI agent right. about a candidate for president. Right. Oh, by the way, the FBI kind of fabricated this investigation into Donald Trump. And then four years later, after he became president, you could say actively worked to keep him from being reelected. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and he has the audacity to go on Twitter and slam Peter Schweitzer for being, you know, political. And saying that this you know, investigation shouldn't have been open due to politics when they knew full well that the information they were using from Hillary Clinton came from a campaign. Right. And, and, and it's even I mean, it's even worse than that, because they the FBI paid. What was it like a million dollars? They paid. They tried to have the Christopher Steele dossier verified. They wanted it so badly to be true. Right. That they were willing to pay money. I mean, wouldn't it have been nice if they came to us and said, <laughs> here's a million dollars for all your uh, end notes. You know, here's here's the irony, by the way, is that. After you got in your little dust up with Peter Strzok and I was kind of looking to see what impact the Durham report would have had and the kind of how it was being covered. I saw several people talk about like, I cover corruption professionally and what's happening now where the, the legal, you know, areas, basically the idea that the integrity of the FBI is being attacked. Right. It, they hold up as evidence of this is how systems fail. This is right. how corruption right. takes over. You could say actually opposites true. Right. When the, when the law enforcement entities act Actively collude with right. one right. candidate for president to try to eliminate the candidacy of another. That to me seems more corrupt. That's like saying that's like saying you know 
there's this attack on American financial markets because of Jeffrey Epstein. Well, maybe you should look at what Jeffrey Epstein did. And it's the same case in the FBI. I mean, I'm not saying the FBI did what Jeffrey Epstein did. But the point is, they're responsible and guilty for the actions that they took. So Strzok is one person uh, that comes up. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Timothy Tebow. He's another senior FBI agent. Um, that It's interesting to me how these high-level political investigations, whether they involve Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, they seem to be managed by the same people. Right. right? You don't have two separate people. You have one person sort of massaging and 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 moving in the direction they want these investigations. Tim Tebow was doing the same thing, right? I mean, he was involved at the senior level of these investigations, and the favors and the deference always skewed one way. Yeah, yeah. And, and they really come from just two, two field offices. You have the New York field office, and you've got the Washington field office. And so, you know, you're, you're a young agent working at the New York field office, and if you follow directions well and you... Uh, I guess maybe look the other way because a lot of crimes have been uh, not prosecuted through the New York field office and uh, same with the Washington field office. Then you kind of move up to the Washington field office. So McCabe, Comey, um, this Tim Tebow guy, they all worked in either the New York field office or the Washington field office. And Tebow, um, yeah, I mean, he he uh, what he interviewed, he, he stepped in on the Bobulinski interview. He did. And Tony Bobulinski brings hard evidence of Biden crimes and Tim, Tim Tebow has been reported, told the agents to stand down. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's so interesting, the vigor in which they pursued everything related to Trump and the fact that they dismiss everything related to Biden and or Hillary Clinton. And look, I said in early 2017, when this whole Russia collusion thing with Trump started, I was kind of naive. I thought, oh, man, this is OK. Well, they ought to at least look into it. Well, of course, five or six months in, the thing starts to fall apart. But the point is, you should look at these things. There's not the tendency at the FBI to do that at all when it involves the Bidens and the Clintons. So where do we go with this? I mean, it, is it just hopeless? I see a lot of people. This is a question for both of you. I see a lot of people that get discouraged and say all the time, nothing ever is going to happen. Who cares? Uh, the system's shot. It can't be repaired. Surely that's not the truth, right? I mean, there, there are things that can be done and that are being done now uh, that we need to take some encouragement in. Seamus? I think, I think Seamus wants to see it improve, but only after he writes another book about it, <laughs> which, again, he's going to need a couple years for. So I, 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 You're asking the wrong guy. I, I should be asking you. Give me something positive. Can you give me anything positive, Seamus? Anything positive. Uh, I th- what are those numbers? 30, 32%. I mean, if we go down a little bit further, maybe. We gotta, we gotta, those are rookie numbers. We've got to boost those lower. Um, no, I do think that uh, you know, with the change of an administration – you clean house, and I think that would that would okay. But why would the why would a new administration mean a clean house? It didn't happen in 2016. I mean, so I so I think to Peter's point, well, or, or has the deep state yeah. <laughs> has the deep state been so exposed now that if somebody decides to come in, let's say Trump wins election, or somebody else like Ron DeSantis, and it's like, no, we ne- the sins of the past have been reported, they've been documented. We know that these FBI agents like Tim Tebow. Not only did we actively suppress potential evidence in terms of the Hunter Biden laptop, but when you had people, firsthand witness testimony that wants to give it, and that was kept from being entered into investigation. So we, we know that steps have been taken. Uh, is is there enough evidence now to, to make a credible case to like actively see change in the FBI? Yeah, I, I believe so. And, and I mean, the clean house, I mean, it's not at least 25. Uh, I think we're probably closer to 30, maybe even 40 
top, top FBI and DOJ officials were fired or dismissed or resigned in disgrace. I mean, Strzok's gone, Tebow's gone, Comey's gone, McCabe's gone, Page is gone. So um, now, the, you know, do new people fill those shoes? I'm sure they do. But, you know, we, it's, it's getting harder and harder to do the kind of things, I would hope, do the kind of things that happened in 2016 and 2020. I have no doubt that there will be some, some bias in 2024. Um, but, well, you know, we just we've kind of got their number now. That's so. that's I think the key. I think the key thing is, look, there is this search for were laws violated. Can anybody be brought to justice? And I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But to your point, absolutely. Consider the sort of stuff that went on in 2016. It's very, very hard for that to go on in 2023 and 2024 because they now know they're being watched. They now know that we understand their methodology of corruption. We now know the manner in which they operate. And you've got Congress. I mean, remember, Congress is now actively investigating and exposing what's going on. And I want to believe, and I think we've seen it in the case with the Bidens, What did Joe Biden say when he announced for president? He said, my family is no longer going to do any foreign deals. He didn't have to say that when he was in the Obama administration because nobody was paying attention. Mm. It's only when the attention was brought, the shame was brought, the focus was brought that they realized, okay, we have to start doing things differently. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think it's a lot better. And that's something that we have to take encouragement from looking forward. And not only has Congress said they're paying attention, they're willing to take action in terms of investigations, subpoenas, things like that. Not only has the Hunter Biden story been reported in an aggressive way, so there is some level of thing, but I think a far more important accountability metric is being utilized now. And that's Peter Schweitzer's Twitter account. Like he has proven he's willing to at somebody. He will respond if a disgraced FBI agent comes at him. And, uh, you know, so be forewarned. Here's the thing that worries me about that, by the way, is Peter Strzok put up this comment, did not at me. So I didn't know he was discussing me. And Mm -hmm. we responded. Now, remember, this is a guy who was like in charge of Counterintelligence. He was hunting da- hunting down Russian spies. He was supposed to be focusing on Chinese. He's been influence. in some tough rooms. He, he su- supposedly is supposed to be some badass FBI guy. I respond. He blocks me. Yeah, that's his response. He, he blocks me. Hey, he blocked me too. <laughs> he blocked you too. So I mean, so to me, shortly it's, before it, he sp- stole my book title. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, your burdens are immense, James. Your burdens are immense. So it, it is ironic to me that that these are the things we have to deal with. Well. Here's the thing. I'm very proud of the work that GAI has done. We've exposed to these things. We've led to changes in law. We've launched now a number of FBI investigations, congressional hearings. We're also changing behavior. Uh, and Seamus, you've been a big part of that. Thank you for all of your work. You have a book coming out um, later. We cannot talk about it now, but we are going to talk about it when it's released. So Seamus, thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure. Eric, you got any final thoughts? It's always good when, uh, you know, Seamus comes in. The intern made good. No, uh, Seamus's <laughs> next book is going to be incredible. He's an absolute success story, not only for what I think GAI has to offer, but I think for what, what happens when you're passionate and you put in work. And, um, I mean, literally, the more, the more important stories in the country right now in terms of the ways in which the Biden family has been compromised, corrupted, the way that foreign entities have leveraged U.S. intelligence and national security assets um, I think to like weaken them is 
No, there's no more important story than that. And Seamus has been all over for the last five plus years. He has. Well, thank you, audience, for joining us. Uh, we take very seriously uh, the work that we do, and we know that your support is very important. So thank you for continuing to listen to us, uh, to sharing our concerns, and letting your elected leaders know the, that these issues matter to you. Uh, you can find uh, articles about our research and the podcast at thedrilldown.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time. Yeah.